All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 149 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. This episode is brought to you by Montana's where the all-you-can-eat rib fest is on now until September 12th. You can try their limited Big Grill Trio, four bones of their in-house smoked pork back ribs, a fired grilled chicken breast, both sauce to your liking, and two grilled shrimp skewers brushed with a garlicky Cajun glaze. Find out more with the hashtag GetMontanasMessy. Frank is not with us for the uh, intro today, but... Uh, it is summertime, so we're piecing together. Frank actually did our uh, interview guest today. Is uh, he continues? Frank does to a uh, tour around Italy, and uh, he had a, an interview with uh, Pear Mars, who's the uh, founder of Mars Blade. Uh, very interesting. He was a former uh, Columbus Blue Jackets draft pick in the uh, early two thousands, and uh, did rollerblading. Now he works with Austin Matthews and many others, and is getting into uh, skate blades now. Basically, he had taken uh, rollerblades. And designed it so it was as close to being like on skates and a lot of players use it now rather than being in skates you can use that uh, in the summertime in different places so well we'll talk to a uh, pair pair mars about that on the uh on the pod today uh tyler ramp truck will be by for a little uh buy or sell momentarily uh, a few things to discuss uh league-wide the uh, the new york islanders big question and you know everybody's like where's nazem kadri right currently we're recording this it's august 16th 
Kadri still hasn't signed. Although spoke to a, a, two opposing uh, GMs who believe he's signing with the Islanders. And if you go back to last year, if you'll recall, Kyle Palmieri and Beauvillier both signed on September 1st. So is, uh, is that something there's been rumors of, you know, seven times seven? I, I'll I'll be surprised. I, like, is Lou going to do that? I'd be a little surprised, but I, I could see Kadri uh, going to Long Island for for Islander fans, seeing what they do. Keep in mind, right? Like, they signed a lot of guys late. You had Palmieri late, Beauvillier. You had Parise and Chara signed right before the season in October. Granted, those guys were uh, older players, and Parise actually re-signed. What was it back in February for another uh, year extension with the Islanders? So the Islanders haven't done much yet this offseason. I'm sure Islander fans are like, what's going on here? Uh, last year was a big disappointment after two consecutive conference finals in 20 and 21. So uh, all arrows seem to be pointing to uh, to Kadri going to the Islanders. And as I was told by one GM, it's a Lou thing. He likes to keep things on the down low. There's maybe nobody better at not having things leak out in regards to uh, contracts and different things from Long Island. So uh, we will wait on that. Uh, the other one is the unfortunate part of uh, Achilles injuries and it just continues to to pop up and get players we, we didn't mention it but of course max patcheretti he's out six months with an achilles injury mark pesic from the red wings he also uh ruptured his achilles a few weeks ago and then he had uh the uh the young defenseman for the san jose sharks who uh after missing all of last season didn't play last year because he was injured and now uh, if you look at, uh, and I want to make, I always uh, have struggles with his name. So uh, Nikolai Nijov, and he uh, hurt his Achilles, and uh, now he's out. He might miss an, a second consecutive full season because Achilles, it all depends on the player. They say it's minimum six months. Sometimes it takes up to nine. And it's just, you know what? Uh, I know in Pesic's case, he was just doing some sprints, and boom, it went. It's It's one thing, it's... It's really hard to prepare for. You, you don't necessarily feel that it, uh, it's a weakened beforehand. So it, uh, it is the one now where you see for a lot of elite athletes across the board, not just in hockey and different sports. You go back, Andre Sekera blew his out a few years ago. Seems to be a few basketball guys every year, football guys. And it's just, you know, they're pushing themselves. And I understand it, but that's that's just one of the parts of being a pro athlete now. I, I don't know how they fix it, to be honest. Now, when you consider that there's over... Well, I guess close to 800 NHL players now. When you consider injuries and how many players are playing in the league. And if you have three in an offseason of training, that's still a pretty low percentage. But obviously, uh, you'd like to have it a little bit lower. We'll get to uh, more league stuff in a sec, but uh, we'll bring in Tyler Uremchuk right now for a buy or sell. Ty, how you doing? I am doing great, Jason. Uh, you know, just me and you today. No Frank Saravalli to uh, babysit us for buy or sell. Yeah, we should, uh, we, should have a, we should have a whole poll on, uh, you know, is, is Frank having like, you know, I'm sure he's loving uh, Italy. Well, we'll talk oh, yeah. about it when he gets back next week. Like, yeah. Like, it, is it, he having a bottle of wine a day in Italy? When in Rome. Yeah. When, when in Rome, why not? Um, it looks like he's having a great time there. Uh, buy or sell though is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Ding dong. I don't know if Frank can get DoorDash in Italy, but I'm sure he's eating good out there no matter what. Uh, let's jump into this. The Vegas Golden Knights got news that Robin Leonard is going to miss the entire season. Uh, that means it's Logan Thompson and Laurent Brassois between the pipes. Lots of talk that Vegas could obviously go out and get a new goalie. 
I'm going to say Semyon Varlamov is the goalie that the Golden Knights should be targeting. Buy or sell on that? Hmm. I'm going to sell because I think it's going to be James Reimer in San Jose if they if they look for a goaltender. But depending on the health of Lauren Brassois. Now, Lauren Brassois wasn't, yeah. uh, wasn't skating this past weekend at a, at a goalie camp that's put on by his agency. But uh, they're saying he's very close. And, he, you know, he might be able to to be there either at the start of the season or a few weeks into the regular season. And, you know, they were pretty high on Logan Thompson. I know it's a really small sample size and, and that's maybe a pretty big bet to go into the season with both of them. But like Lou's been on record as saying he doesn't really want to move Varlama. However, if he needs to free up some cap space, then uh, there's the, there's the way to do it. Right. But if he's going to, if he's going to trade Varlamov, then he needs a goalie as well. So who knows? Maybe it becomes a three-way deal with the Islanders, the Sharks and Vegas and Reimer ends up uh, on Long Island. Possibly. The thing is, if you're San Jose, Reimer's their best goalie. I know he's on a short, he's on a shorter term deal than the other two and they're younger, but I I know maybe they're going to go with, uh, you know, Kapanen and he's going to be their guy, but like James Reimer's, he he's just a steady guy. He yeah. puts up solid numbers year after year, and he might be the guy if I was Vegas because I've got Lauren Brassois and Thompson, two younger guys. He's he's cheaper. He might be the guy I would go after if I was Vegas. The the reason I think Varlamov's interesting is again just for the money wise. Like even if you're the Islanders and you find a way, what if you just swapped Varlamov for maybe Brassois and then you get another asset in there that'll free up just over two and a half million dollars. All of a sudden. That might that right there might give you enough money to get Dobson and Kadri signed if you just simply downgrade your backup goalie a little bit. Well, Sorokin's legit, man. Yeah. Like I think he's he probably doesn't get talked about enough as one of the top five goalies in the National Hockey League. Like I think he is legit. So, um, you know, you don't want to overplay your starter. Yeah. So that's that's obviously the uh, the challenge there. And if you had Reimer, like Reimer's probably more of a of a security blanket. Yeah. Uh, than Brassois is just based on his injury. And if you're the Islanders after last season, maybe you do that. But w- with all the talk of Kadri, I think the, the goalie market, you know, San Jose is going to have to trade someone, right? Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to want to go into the season and wave one of them. So they'll look to trade him. And Vegas right now, it would seem like they're a team that would need a goaltender because Leonard's done for the year. Thompson's played less than 20 NHL games. And uh, you, you've got Lauren Brassois coming off an injury. Like you got to think they're going to want to secure that. Like after all the injury issues in Vegas last year, do they want to start the season <laughs> with one healthy NHL goaltender? And a healthy NHL goalie who's only played 19 games. Like you said, yes. like he's barely like, I know people, when I tweeted out, I was like, Oh, this changes up the landscape of the Pacific. When Leonard got hurt, people were like, Oh no, they love Thompson. And it's like, okay, you can love Thompson, but he's played 19 games. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Like who knows? Maybe he's the next Bennington, right? A guy who yeah. just, Stepped in now. Bennington was obviously a lot older, but um, it, it is. Uh, I'm sure it's a little unnerving for Vegas fans. All right, next question we got here. Uh, I don't know how much you've been watching the World Juniors, but Connor Bedard has been uh, putting on a show some nights with his crazy release. Last season, we had two teams finish with under 60 points in the regular season. I'm going to say the tank for Bedard will be full on, and we will have four teams finish below the 60 point mark next season. Just Last year, you had Arizona and Montreal were the two at 55 and 57 points. Seattle and Philly were close at 60 and 61. But I'm going to say more than two teams go full on tank and are under 60 points next season. You buy or sell? Hmm. That's a good question. Like, if you look at full seasons, right? Like, how many teams are under 60 points 
very often, man, four, like even in 2019, I don't think there was one. Um, so I'm going to sell. I, I think though, there'll be a lot of teams around the 70 point mark. And, and because here's the thing, the, the management might want to tank players. Yeah. Never don't never tank, right? Like if you look at Montreal, would they have been there if they weren't decimated by injuries? Probably not. Right. Like, I don't know if, I don't think they would have been a playoff team, but I don't think they would have been that bad. Um, I look at the makeup of, of some teams, like how much did Buffalo improve? I'm not sure, but I'm going to sell, but I, but I do think that there will be a, a, a little bit of a, of a race for Bedard. No question. Like he, he's a dynamic player uh, for sure. And I know that the flyers would like, they finished just what at 61 yeah. last year. I think it was and Seattle was right around there. So, you know what? Geez, you might be onto something. The more I look at it. Um, I still am going to sell though. I think it's hard to have four teams under 60 points. For uh, reference, the Connor McDavid year, Buffalo finished in last with 54 points. Arizona had 56. Edmonton had 62 when they eventually obviously won that lottery. See, that's I, the thing, Ty. Like, that's yeah. the thing. It's the the lottery management can play the odds all they want, but you're yeah. still only giving your like, I guess some would say, well, one and four is better than, you know, one and six. Sure. I understand that. But um, I'd have to go back and look. When was the last time the worst place team won the lottery back to back? Yeah, I guess that'd be interesting with Montreal doing it this year. Are the odds even in the favor of whoever would come last? What are the chances that happens on back-to-back years? Uh, It is August 16th when we are recording this, and I'm starting to get the itch for hockey season. I'm going to say the NHL should be trying to start the season a month earlier, and training camps should be starting like right now. I think training camps should be getting going like end of August. Preseason should be done mid-September. Season starts like mid to late September as well. You buy or sell on that idea, or do you like the way it is now? I kind of like how it is. It's getting back to, to normal, right? Uh, we'll start what San Jose and Nashville start the season officially when they're in the Czech Republic on October. Is it seventh or eighth or eighth or ninth? Uh, I think it's eighth and ninth. Um, and then you got the regular season going on October 11th. The season for the most part's always started in, in early October. Some years it's like the first week within the first five days. You know, maybe if you want to move it back one week and I think they might get there. It's just been the, uh, the shortened summers, the last few years. I don't really think the players want to get going in August ever just to finish uh, a little bit earlier. So, and I do think that, um, you know, hockey to me, you get into uh, to mid-April. That's normally when the playoffs begin. I, I I don't know if I want the playoffs starting in March. So uh, uh, it can still be a, a tad chilly in certain markets. So uh, let's go April because I like it a little bit nicer for playoff hockey. Uh, our Montana's bonus question, hashtag get Montana's messy with all you can eat ribs on until September 12th. Outside of Nazem Kadri, Jason, who is the most intriguing unrestricted free agent on the board for you right now? <sighs> You know what? It's funny because if you look at the amount of players um, like Phil Castle's intriguing to me because I think you're going to get him at a bargain deal. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so that's, uh, that's Calvin DeHaan. I'll go with Calvin DeHaan. Actually. I think Calvin DeHaan might be able to play top four minutes for a team. And you're probably going to get him at a, at a really good number. So uh, I will go with uh, DeHaan followed closely by uh, Phil Kessel. And then the massive wild card to me is, what does PK Subban have left? Yeah. I, I think Subban, I, I don't think, I know that Subban, um, you know, wants to play. He's been working hard. He hired a skills coach late in the season last year in Adam Oates. And you know what? He's obviously made tons of money. He, he's going to be one of those guys like a Corey Perry, you know what? The signs for a million bucks, 975, whatever it's 950. The money's not important to him right now. It's more so going to be about a, a team he can help. And I'm curious, you know, how much Subban has left. 
And then Ty, how many guys we should, and it's too late now, but we'll do it soon. <laughs> how many PTOs are we going to see this year? Like, are we going to see like 20 to 25? Well, yeah. Like when you look at the amount of players who are kind of still on the market, who you look at and go, oh, like they, they should still be able to play. Like, what about a guy like Paul Stastny? Yes. He scored 21 goals in 70 games last year. How does that guy not have a deal yet? And is he going to have to take like a PTO with a contender just to try stick? It's wild that a guy like that is still unsigned. Sonny Milano is a young player, right? The guy had 14 goals. He had 34 points in 66 games last season. He doesn't have a contract. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, a Evan veteran Rodriguez. guy like a, Anton Stroman's not, isn't what he is, but Hey, when, when you're a veteran who knows how to play defense teams are interested, Cody Eakin's been a solid NHLer for, yeah. for a long time. Ryan Murray, Zach Aston Reese, like there's uh, Chris Russell, very specific in, in what you want for a, for a third pairing defenseman, Tyler Mott, who, who I know a lot of people are high on. And what about Evan yeah. Rodriguez? He still hasn't signed like that to me um, is I, I think he will, but like, will he be the Pat Maroon of this summer? Who a lot of people thought, you know, remember Pat Maroon after New Jersey, uh, you know, going into that 2000 was that summer, I guess, of a 2017-18. Yeah. Where everybody was expecting him to, uh, or no, sorry, it was 18-19. Yeah. yeah, they won the cup in 19 with the Blues. And people thought he was going to get three million, maybe three and a half. And then it didn't work out. He ended up having to fire his agent. And then he signs late with St. Louis. And obviously it worked out really well for him. He's had a pretty good run uh, since then. But for somebody who had produced 20 goals, people thought, hey, this guy was going to get big money. Right. Is is that the same situation this year? And, you know, there's there's lots of guys still. And, and what about the Dallas Stars? We haven't really talked about the Dallas Stars and their RFAs and Robertson and Ottinger. What kind of contracts are those guys getting? Like they're going to get a contract. They're not UFAs, right? They're obviously going to get signed, but um, I'm kind of curious when those two will get signed and how long and how much, because I think both could be long-term deals for the stars. Well, yeah, but the issue there would be that they only have $10.35 million in projected cap space. And, you know, maybe if Hudobin's going to be out, you could LTIR him for a bit, but there's not a lot of cap space in Dallas either. Like it almost feels like they need to move on from a piece if they want to be able to sign almost just one of Robertson or Ottinger. When you consider how good they are, the playoffs Ottinger is coming off of like $10 million is not nearly enough to get both of those guys done. I wouldn't think so. I, I think because neither have Arbrights though, which is interesting. Neither has Arbrights. And the other thing is goaltenders historically, right? Like it's a, it's a smaller sample size and whether it's fair or not, Teams, I, I think if you look at it outside of a few contracts, goalies haven't gotten huge dollars, right? Like there's Price and Bobrovsky and those guys like Vasilevsky, right? Who's elite. But you look at how many other guys, like even you look at like if, if I'm Dallas, I think they're probably looking to say, hey, let's go after a Shesterkin type of salary, yep. right? Just over 5 million bucks. And they might even say, geez, you know, now Shesterkin's camp is probably saying, geez, good thing we didn't sign a long term or a longer term deal at that yeah. point, because he's obviously going to cash in when his deal's done. But there does seem to be a little bit more hesitation when it comes to goaltenders and the uh, the length of, of contracts coming off their, you know, their entry level deals. Yeah, you're right. Shesterkin got the four year deal, five point six million. He was a couple of years older than Ottinger with his years from the KHL. But yeah, you'd think that a little bit more established, right? Yeah. So maybe Ottinger doesn't even get that without the Arbrights either. So maybe they can find a way to squeeze them both in. But it feels like, I mean, that's another team. You look at Dallas and those Sagan and Ben deals. Like at the time, it was like, oh, yeah, you locked up your future. And now it's like, oh, boy, your future is definitely not those two guys. And yet they're tying up almost $20 million in salary. It's wild. Yeah, there's a few teams, the San Jose Sharks, yeah. the same situation where they're, 
and, and it's I've talked about it so many times at, that teams and long-term deals on players that you know you're 28 29 and you're signing them for eight years there's very few of those guys who pan out and, and I've, I've talked about this for a long time ty and and, and you know, I've actually, I've actually had a few, the more I talk about it, the, the more people are like, you know what? It makes sense. I would have after the age of 28, the max term is five years for anybody. The max term is five years. You, and, and, and I know that because the NHL superstars have to change their way of thinking. All they have to do is look at the NBA. Yeah. Right now, I, I know the NBA is a different league and the superstars play way more and there's fewer players in the team. I understand that, but it's all based on percentage. Right. And so if you sign a five year contract now, if you want your entry level coming out of entry level and guys are 21 and two and they want to sign for max eight years. Fine. I'm just saying after the age of 20, I don't care. Make it 28, 27 is free agency. But if you want to do that, I would say max five year terms because there's a lot of dead cap space currently out there for players when it comes to buyouts. Right. There's lots of buyouts around the league and that's just dead space. It's not going to any active NHL PA players. Right. So if you have the shorter term deals, yeah, some guys will get will get more, but there's less chance of those contracts crushing teams later on. And and if you're if you're still good, Ty, like think about it. Instead of getting eight years at nine mil, you're gonna get five years at ten, right? Yep. So there's fifty mil or ten and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Fifty-two. Then if you're still good, the next three years you get eight million, you still got your same money. So to me, the top end players should not worry about it because most of them are still good enough because it's normally the second level guys, right? The good players, not the great ones that those contracts come back to bite teams. And I really, I don't understand why the PA or the NHL would be opposed to it because it benefits both sides. Yeah. I mean, I think a great example for that of, you know, if you're good, you'll get paid is look at the deals that Joe Pavelski has been able to ink, right? Like when he was, how old was he when he signed that last deal with Dallas, like 34 or 35, he got seven mil a year. $21 $21 million. And then guess what? He's still good. So he gets another five and a half million dollars. Like it all worked out for him. Right. And I, I think that's a great point. And that's the example I'd look at is, yeah, if you score goals and you're still productive, you'll get paid no matter what your age is. And the irony of that is that San Jose let Joe Pavelski go, <laughs> who seemed to be the heartbeat of their team because they didn't want to pay him on three years. And they've signed a lot of other guys for eight year deals. Yeah. And very few of those are looking like they're good deals. So um, pay the guys who are still productive. And um, you know, I, I know people say, well, the NHL shouldn't have to be protected from their own stupidity and people should just not do it. But oh, well. that's been proven not to be the case. That's yeah. been proven not to be the case. And the NBA is the prime example to use. Now, I know they have some different rules in the CBA and all that stuff. But to me, it's irrelevant. Your star players are still going to be your highest paid guys. That's not going to change. Right. And sure, it might mean that some uh, cap hits go up. Uh, a little bit higher for those first few years of the deal. And so then the players are getting more upfront right in the first five years. So even if they tail off a bit, they're still, they're still going to be fine. And then the, the risk for teams that those eight year deals become just anchors is significantly lower. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. That's going to be a wrap for another edition of buy or sell delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Ding dong. Awesome. Now, Ty, I'm going to get you to uh, stick around for a bit. Um, uh, we'll bat around a few other things, and then we'll uh, we'll get to our interview today that, that Frank uh, did. So we're, yep. we're kind of a teamwork today on the uh, the pod as Frank is still in uh, Italy. Um, uh, you you mentioned you know we we are kind of into the uh, the slow days of of the uh, off season. I did want to ask you though on on your thoughts when you look at teams. Who do you think like it's easy when you're a bad team, but of the contending teams 
Is there one that you think has improved the most? Improved the most of the contenders. And see, this is an interesting one because it's so hard for a team who had success and was right up against the cap one year to keep that rolling the next year. Like, I think when you look at who were kind of the final four this year, the last two in each conference and did Tampa Bay get better? I, I don't think they, you could say they got better. You know, they had to let go of McDonough and yeah, it was a good move to get rid of the cap hit and all that, but they certainly didn't improve the New York Rangers. You know, they lost Strom, replaced him with Trocek. That seems like a bit of, you know, maybe a, maybe a slight step up, but they're going to be relying on their youth. They should be better. I don't think you can say Colorado got better because they're likely going to lose out on Nazem Kadri. Their goaltending is maybe the same. If you, if you really believe in a guy like Alexander Gorgiev, and then there was Edmonton who was able to basically stay the same. But when you compare where they are right now to where they were a year ago, I think that's an interesting spot. A whole year of Evander Kane, a whole year of Brett Kulak, although they did lose Duncan Keith, who ate some big minutes. If there's one team that you look at and say they improved, like did Carolina do enough in your opinion? Like the patch ready thing, he's out for six months now. So I, I guess they're probably not a great answer well, they, either. I, I, see, it's funny you mentioned Carolina because I was going to say the hurricane because I'm a huge Brent Burns fan. Like there's a player. Yeah. Long-term deal who's still playing well, right? Like he's mm-hmm. still living up to his contract. He is Brent Burns is, is going to bring a different dimension to Carolina. He's a high energy player. Like he brings energy all the time. Like he still has that youthful exuberance and practice that gets guys fired up. And Burns plays well. Like he's a huge big body. He can log tons of minutes. Um, he's gonna not not that their power play needs a ton of help, but he'll help their power play even more. Carolina, it's funny. That was my team. That's a team I think of all the teams that were good last year that managed to improve because they improved at a position. They brought in somebody who's gonna play 20 plus minutes a night. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's hard to do to improve on that. And they didn't have to give up anything to do it right now. I know that they lost uh, Vincent Trocek up front. So I understand that um, and, and need a rider. But they, they had enough depth forwards. And I still think if I'm Carolina, the one thing and I've talked about this for years in Carolina, they need to they need to find a way to add a jerk factor to their mm-hmm. forward group. Do you add because, you know, hey, we're jerks. That's their slogan. I love it. They don't have it on the ice. Get a jerk on the ice. And I think that would help uh, Carolina immensely. Yeah. What do you think about a team like the LA Kings? I mean, not exactly a quote unquote Stanley Cup contender from last year, but they brought Edmonton to seven games and that was without Doughty and Arvidsson. And you go out, you had a point of game guy in Fiala. And the other thing I like there is, you know, you kind of go through their roster and it's a lot of guys in sort of that 19 to 24 year old range where you go, oh, their best years like might be in front of them. Like maybe if one or two of them, like a Byfield takes a step forward or an Arthur Kaliev takes a step forward, then all of a sudden they're looking good and they look healthy as well. You know, the LA Kings could be a team that's interesting to watch, especially because that division just feels so wide open in the middle. Well, bringing in Kevin Fiala, that, that was a hole that they had in their top six and they yep. filled it. I don't know if he scores 85 points. No. But even if he scores 75 points, right? You are 70 points. You bring in a 70 point player. That's a huge addition offensively. Now the Kings, to me, what's unique is their defense was just decimated by injury. Sean Walker played six games, right? Drew Doughty only played 39, right? So if you get those two guys back and they, they got some young guys who got more experience last year, um, Drew Doughty, you know, he's talked about the players around him, people in the organization. When the Kings are competitive, Doughty's game is still elite. And I, uh, like I, it's hard it, to say LA's improved a lot in their point totals. I know that's going to sound dumb. I don't know if they'll get more points, but I think they might be a better team. 
that makes any sense, right? Because yep. they, they got a lot of points from overtime losses and different things. So they might win a few more games of those close games this year. But I really like LA's team. And you mentioned Quinton Byfield. He, to me, is in the next two years, I think he's going to pop. And he is in such a great position with Dano and Kopitar that those two are going to take a lot of the defensive zone starts. They're going to take a lot of the, the tougher minutes. Mm-hmm. LA's third line of Quinton Byfield. And we've seen guys that all of a sudden they get to 20, they get to 21. Like you look at Lafreniere last year in the kind of the second half of the season for the Rangers, right? And then into the postseason, he became what a lot of people thought he would be as a top pick. It just takes a little bit longer sometimes for players and not even that long. Cause they're just not even teenagers. Just get them out of their teens and they're pretty good. Like, Quentin Byfield, to me, is the one guy to watch. I'm very curious to see what he's going to do in L.A. this year because I think when he pops, all of a sudden people are going to be like, wow, where'd it come from? And he's just going to be a guy who's grown into his body, getting more confidence he can even play. And he's in a great spot because L.A. doesn't have to rush him. They've Mm -hmm. been able to bring him along and develop him slowly without much pressure. And if he pops, then that changes everything, man. Because one, two, three, you know, like that would be one of the, the deeper top three centers uh, in the NHL and huge, huge guys. And that can put two of them that can play both ways. Yeah. I, the only question mark I have with the Kings is actually their goaltending. I yes. think like early in the season, Jonathan quick was lights out. He was so good. Nine twenty three from the start of the year till January 1st, from January 1st on, he fell to eight ninety eight, and Kyle Peterson was sub 900 on the year as a whole. So like the rest of their team is better, but I actually, I think that's a good way to put it. Like, they might be better in front of their goaltending, but if their goaltending is the second half goaltending they got, they might not move far from their point total last year, even if they upgraded their forward group and get healthier on the blue line. Well, Cal Peterson, there's another example of goaltending, right? Like you know? they locked him in at five mil and based on, and that was before last season. And mm-hmm. now his contract kicks in and he's got to play better. There's no question about it. He's got to play better. And if he does, if, if he plays to the level that they signed him to, that will definitely help because I think Jonathan Quick can can still give you good minutes. It's just got to be limited minutes. You can't overplay him. Yeah, and I think that's what we saw down the stretch last season. I mean, he was good in the first round of the playoffs, but in the end of the regular season, he was not the early season Jonathan Quick. But it's interesting, like that question has me thinking like, okay, there's not, I'm going through the divisions. Like, okay, well, that team didn't get better. This team didn't get better. All the teams that I look at as having improved are non-playoff teams. And I think that means we could be heading for a season where the playoff races are very tight. We're not seeing anyone really run away with a single division. Like I really do think top to bottom, things could really tighten up around the league. Yeah. And then the, the two teams that I'm curious about are Boston. How do they handle all the injuries after being one of the more healthy teams in the NHL? They had 15 skaters play over 70 games last year. <laughs> That's not going to happen this year, right? They've already got Marshawn and McAvoy and Greslick. They're, they're not going to start the season healthy and Riley might be there. So that's a team. And then the, the biggest wild card to me in the West is the Vancouver Canucks. Who are the Canucks? What are they going to do? Like Demko, if he wants, he could steal them a lot of games. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's a really good goaltender. Um, Elias Pettersson, who, which Elias Pettersson is going to show up and for how long? Is it going to be the guy who played in the second half of the season? Or is it going to be the inconsistent player from the first half and, and the year before? Right? Because they need him. No question about it. They need him. And I look at their roster and, and I got a lot of talent on paper. On that team. And you know, Vancouver could could easily be the West team that was in the playoffs. It gets to the playoffs this year, right? Or they could be disappointing. Like, I really don't know how to read the Canucks. Um, I know there's some people that have concerns about their blue line. Fair, but man, on paper, they should be a playoff team in my books. Yeah. I mean, you rattle off like their nine best forwards, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this team's deep. Like Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, 
Miller, Garland, Mikheyev, who scored 20 goals in like 50 some games last year. Pearson, Kuzmenko, who knows what he's going to be like. Vasily Putkolzin, you talk about a guy, you know, maybe not quite to the, doesn't have the ceiling of a Quinton Byfield, but he's 21 years old now. He's got that little bit of experience. Like if he pops and all of a sudden, you know, if he's a legit top six guy with size, like he could do some damage for them. They they have the potential to be a really, really deep team. I didn't even mention Nils Hoglander either. Um, I, I had this take on an Oilers Nation pod a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, Vancouver could very well finish second in the division because of Demko and the forward group. And I got some pushback on it, but that forward group is just so damn good. And yes, their blue line isn't the best. It wouldn't be, you know, maybe top 15 in the league, but Demko is good enough to make them look good. Yeah, and they still have skill, right? Like yep. they still got some potential Myers and Oliver Ekman Larson and obviously Hughes. Like to me, they just they they were so far behind the eight ball last year and their best players weren't their best players. Right. And that's why I thought Boudreaux would have success because I didn't think your best players could be that bad for like they were early on. So they come out of the gate strong, then they can ride it. But I don't know. I just, there's something about that team. They're hard to read. They're, they're the biggest wild card to me in the, in the West. You're right. They could finish as high as second or heck they could high, finish fifth in the Pacific. Who's your biggest wild card in the East then while we're on that topic? Um, for me, I, it might be a team like New Jersey who 63 points last year, only won 27 games. But then again, you look at what they did in the offseason and you kind of go like, all right, that's a team who, you know, Hughes and he sure you got to remember Hughes missed significant time last year. If they get 82 games out of him, they picked up a guy like Andre Palat, who's a who, you know, is a proven score consistent as well. Is that a team who could maybe do some damage and surprise us this season? Possibly. I look at Ottawa. I think Ottawa might be more poised to to take a jump. They've added some veteran players. They still need another uh, top four defenseman, I think. But um yeah, my wild card is still going to be Boston just because of all the injuries, right? Okay. And uh, now they got Bergeron and Krejci back, though, on great deals, by the way. Like Patrice Bergeron might be the best value contract when the season's over. We'll see. But yeah, Boston, how, can, how are they going to be able to tread water until their two key guys, uh, other two of their key guys get back? If so, they're in. Otherwise, they could be, if they're too far behind, I think it's playing catch up in the second half of the season, you know, unless you're the, uh, the miracle St. Louis blues of 2019, mm-hmm. no one really ever does it. So yeah, I'm going to go with Boston and Vancouver. Ty. Great stuff, man. Hey, let's get to our, uh, our interview today. And uh, our, our team member, uh, Frank Saravalli uh, conducted this with pair Mars, who is the founder and creator of Mars Blade. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're a hockey gear nerd, or if you're a hockey player or a hockey parent, you're going to want to tune in to this one. Our next guest was a third round pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets back in 2001. He is a native of Ostersund, Sweden. And since then, he has been revolutionizing the game off the ice and now turning his attention on the ice with the invention of the Mars Blade. Pair Mars, welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you. So before we get started, I want to let everyone know that this is not a paid advertisement. This is not one of those things that we set up in advance where the Mars Blade is looking to get more information out there. This is simply me as a hockey parent. I ordered a pair of Mars Blades previously for my son, the roller blades. I got a pair for myself as well. And the second that I put them on, I knew that I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because it's so totally different than anything that I felt previously. So pair for anyone who has not seen your product, could you just sort of in the most simple way possible, explain to me what you've created and why you decided to start with the roller blades? Uh, yeah. So, um, I uh, was playing uh, hockey myself uh, uh, growing up and uh, was always really keen on improving uh, as a player and uh, uh, tinkering with uh, new ways to, to improve. And uh, I used uh, the regular uh, inlines myself for, for a bit, but never really liked to feel like, uh, like most hockey players. Uh, it, it was a bit too flat. And uh, I also started doing a lot of balance training, stability training, and noticed a huge improvement on the ice. Uh, so sort of uh, started uh, putting two and two together and, and uh, uh, came up with this idea of implementing the instability uh, uh, in, uh, in, uh, the, between the, the boot and the wheels uh, on my inlines. Uh, so uh, first I, I um, took away the first and the, the last wheel, uh, just trying to to get the more instability and on my regular one. So I skated with just uh, the middle two wheels, which was uh, a bit uh, too challenging. Uh, but then uh, I, I realized that wasn't the way to go about it. So I, I came up with this idea of implementing the, the rocker in between the, the, the boot and the wheel. So uh, uh, yeah, that's sort of how it started. Uh, started creating uh, prototypes and uh, uh, testing it out. And I found out uh, pretty fast that wow this is super cool and and this is uh, something that uh every hockey player should uh, should have so um yeah it uh, the idea was not uh, one 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 thing was to replicate the feel on ice but also i wanted to challenge myself more uh than being on the ice uh so um 
I could uh, improve my skating technique and and uh, refine the the movement patterns. Uh, so when I step back on the ice, uh, I would not. Yeah, I would be a a better skater. So it has a lot of benefits. Just uh, in terms of replicating the feel, you can use utilize the same uh, movement patterns, activate the same muscles, uh, which helps a lot in when you're doing conditioning and and uh, speed and that kind of training. Uh, but again, uh, also the the part of uh, challenging yourself uh, more uh, with your technique uh, helps you improve the movement patterns, so you actually become a, a more confident skater on the ice. Um, so, yeah, that's the so, sort of the, the background. So it's interesting because I've played hockey for 30 plus years now. And, you know, at some point the stride just becomes natural. You don't have to think and putting these Mars blades on for the first time uh, a few weeks back, I, I suddenly had to think for the first time you're engaging different muscles, perhaps the best way to explain for a listener or watcher, if you haven't seen it and looked at the technology is think of like one of those balance planks that you might see in a gym where it sort of, you know, rotates from back to front that's going on at the same time in the chassis or the blade of your roller blade as you're skating. And so you're sort of shifting from back to front and also trying to find that middle ground and trying to find that in your stride at the same time it is different it's interesting um tell us next pair like what your what some of the hurdles might have been as you've sort of gone down this path and then now also the buy-in that you've gotten from some of the top players in the game that are now saying hey i don't necessarily need to be on the ice all summer long maybe i can incorporate something like the mars blade into my training off the ice and now how it's gone down the line to where kids and others are using it yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a, a, a long journey, of course. I mean, started uh, tinkering with the prototypes back in uh, 2008. Uh, then we started doing the first uh, sort of run of, of uh, production in 2011. And actually, it's pretty cool uh, that the first, some of the first guys actually testing the, the prototype series was uh, the Sedin twins, uh, Michael Backlund. So their coach had been uh looking was using inlines a lot with their guys and and uh was yeah using different wheel setups and trying to achieve uh what what we <laughs> do with with the the Mars blade roller so so once um uh so they were really first to to quick to adapt uh and then from there it's sort of been a uh a slow growth, I would say, the first couple of years. I mean, we launched it maybe 2012, 13 to the broader pub, uh, public, and and uh, uh, yeah, steady growth. And then the last couple of years, uh, even before COVID, we we had a we see a, a strong increase among NHL guys and a lot of guys that reaching out to us, uh, hearing from their friends, and and uh, that. Uh, yeah, they they were intrigued and that the the, the they liked it. So, um, so we've we, we've seen uh, it's um, of, of course it's uh, hockey is so conservative, so it's uh, tough to break through with uh, first of all the brand, uh, building a creating a brand and doing the whole uh, marketing piece, and then uh, create changing habits as well. Uh, so. Um, uh, most guys are don't 
don't like uh, hockey players don't like they've maybe tried their regular inlines and felt that they're just too flat just like me uh so they yeah it's the it's a challenge of course educating that we do something that uh, our technology is very very different from from the the, the other the regular ones so that's of course a, a hurdle coming across and uh, it's pretty cool to see that uh, a lot of people actually commenting uh, giving us feedback that they've heard from their friends wow this is uh, this is so cool and you got to try it and yeah that they've been skeptic even though they've heard so much good things about it and then they try it and they're like wow it's really it's really true so uh uh th- that whole uh, yeah, it takes a lot of time. So the endurance and, and uh, yeah, just building the the company and the brand and getting the product out it's a it's a it's a challenge. Uh, but yeah, we, we've come a long way, and uh, we've uh, now. I mean, like I said, even before COVID, we had a, a really strong uh, uh, acceptance, and but the, and then of course through COVID, we had a, a huge boost. Uh, uh, since all the rinks were shut down and everyone had to turn to inline skating, so it was pretty crazy that period. But uh, and helped us a lot uh, uh, getting the product and the brand out. But yeah, I mean that's. Uh, but I want to emphasize emphasize also that it's just not. Uh, some people think that maybe it's uh, something for pro players or the really. Uh, guys with the high still high ambitions but we we cover the whole range so uh we we see a lot of feed, great feedback from hockey players in areas around the world that they maybe don't have access to ice uh it's really expensive uh, to get on the ice and and uh, that our our product can help them uh, uh train uh really really good even without access to ice so it helps uh, we feel that we contribute to to spreading the word about hockey and making it more accessible for people to play, uh, but also more fun to to get the variation. Uh, and uh, that's something I think a lot of maybe parents and kids struggle with. That uh, there's so much so much uh, pressure to be on the ice uh, all the time, especially I think maybe here in in Canada where I'm now and. Uh, that uh, guys, they they should be on the ice all the time, and and uh, yeah, eventually you you get tired of it. So with our roller, you can uh, practice uh, yeah the same uh, movement patterns and and uh, improve your skating technique when you're out in the sun, and uh, yeah, get that variation, get away from the rink, and have friends with have a good time with your friends uh, in areas where you wouldn't skate otherwise uh, so uh, i mean we have uh, nhl guys that now say that they can uh, they don't they are up in the cabins more uh, skating uh, on our rollers uh, instead of being have, ha- having needing to to go to to the rink all the time so and that's that goes for for players of all, of all levels so i i think yeah that's the, the variation and yeah, it's a huge uh, factor and and uh, a big uh, bonus uh, for players of all levels. I would say. Yeah, pair for me the one big thing, and my guy is only eight years old. But as a hockey parent, 
I bought a pair, gave them to him and, you know, he's just off skating. He doesn't know that there's any different. I didn't, you know, we didn't talk about the technology. He's just skating, which is really the best part because I know as a parent, having used them myself, how different it is and how much that's going to help him when he gets back on the ice uh, next month for next season. But the way that I first noticed Mars blade was really through some of the promotion that's happened and buy-in that you've gotten from some of the top NHL stars. You mentioned the Sedin twins, Michael Backlund, but also Austin Matthews and his buy-in. I see you're wearing the Mars blade teal logo there. Austin Matthews coming out with his own new uh, special edition Mars blade. Shane Wright is another guy that's had uh, some buy-in with Mars blade as well. What's the reaction been like from guys over here in North America, U S Canadian players when they try the Mars blade for the first time? Yeah, no, it's they're all uh, really excited, and reg- regardless of the level, I would say they they uh, they feel the benefit. So uh, of course, uh, so exciting to to get guys like uh, Shane and and Austin on board and and uh, have them uh, as uh, ambassadors and also shareholders, uh, believing in the, in the technology and the company and and what we're doing is uh, really exciting, and uh, it's hard to get a better. Uh, to get better ambassadors and and guys believing in in what we're doing than than those guys, so that's uh, uh, good credibility. Yeah, no doubt. You started with roller and now you're transitioning to an on ice product. And if you were to look at the Mars blade, you might not notice a big difference in terms of what it looks like, but the same technology or similar that's in your roller product is also now in the product that you're bringing to the ice. What's that process been like? Had your plan always been to bring it to the ice after starting off the ice and now to see some players in the NHL wearing it, to see guys in the world junior, championship wear it what's that whole process been like and what are you up to now yeah so um uh we started testing the the first uh prototypes actually 10 years ago uh so it's been a a long long journey and uh being a performance product uh on the ice uh it's uh everything has to be perfect so it's uh um it's been a long journey and and uh we we did the first generation here. We launched uh, maybe three or four years ago uh, that we had out on pro guys in in uh, most uh, major leagues. Uh, Nicholas Cornwall was using it the last year he played in Detroit and uh, uh, very very uh, excited guys and great feedback on that. Uh, but uh, we also knew that uh, there was some big steps we needed to take to to improve the product to get it all the way. So. Adding a, a quick release to change the the steel quickly, uh, reducing the weight, uh, uh, changing the materials, and so on, and we're just refining the product overall. So we we started developing that uh, a couple of years ago and uh, had it out on uh, pro guys uh, last year, uh, first season. Well, actually, two years back in Sweden, uh, some of the first test guys, and then. Last season was the the first um, uh, season we had the NHL guys on it, so we had five guys: uh, Alex Adler, LA uh, Strawman, Arizona, uh, Michael Backman, Calgary, Gustav Nyquist, Columbus, and Gustav Lindstrom in, in Detroit. So uh, it was a great first uh, first test. Uh, 
getting it out, uh, seeing that uh, guys were happy, uh, equipment guys, uh, of course, a key key part of the process as well, keeping them uh, happy and make sure that everything works. So, uh, yeah, it was a great first uh, season, and uh, now we're uh, ready to to uh, to uh, get more guys on it and really expand and and take it further. Uh, one thing I could mention, just uh, that's important uh, though, is uh, guys using the rollers, uh, maybe feel like, wow, what, how would that be on the ice? Like actually my first reaction when started discussing, developing the technology for ice back uh, 10, 12 years ago was that I was a bit skeptic because uh, uh, having that movement on the ice that you think that maybe it creates uh, instability. But uh, on the ice, we only have the rocker from the center and back. So the, the front part is always uh, lo locked. So you have the support when you're pushing off with the toe. So, and it's all, also very uh, a lot more subtle, the movement. And yeah, so it's the uh, same technology, but uh, different design. And the, on the ice, it's designed for performers, for performance. Uh, so uh guys are so surprised when they try it the first time that uh they uh yeah they feel good right away uh so now when we're testing with pro guys it's like uh 10 year nhl veterans and uh first round uh, draft picks uh, that are just going into the league and they're all uh uh, or most of them, the the transition time varies a bit. Of course, dialing in some 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 stuff, but I would say I mean, some guys even try just a couple of like five, ten, fifteen minutes and feel like, wow, this is super cool, and I, I they want to change it to their own skates right away. Uh, what is the then benefit for some other guys? You need to do some tweaks and and work with the. Uh, sharpening and dialing in some settings and then maybe it's a couple of sessions to get them dialed in but yeah most uh, they're very surprised of uh, that it feels good that quick uh, like guys aren't used to testing a lot of new stuff and of course the holder is a very particular part of the, the equipment so it's a bit tricky but uh, once they try it and start using it there's there's no going back so they guys that try have been using it for a couple of times and then they go back and try their old ones they're like wow i i can't believe i skated on this so uh yeah, that's a pretty cool to see the reaction here um uh, from from these guys that again going from both uh, the young top talents and uh also the experienced uh veterans so so, Pear, last question for you. Where does where do you see Mars Blade in five years? What's the next step? Where do you want to get to? Also, well, the, the the Mars Blade brand is uh, the the core of the the company is actually the the technology, the flow motion technology. So uh, that's our uh, the vision for that is creating new standards. Uh, so Marsplate is the, the brand that we created uh, to bring the, the, the technology out uh, in hockey. Uh, so uh, sort of the, the first uh, license partner uh, to flow motion technology. So uh, again, our vision is to set new standards that everyone, all the, all the companies within 
uh, hockey will have flow motion technology uh, built into their their holders or chassis, uh, um, and uh, uh, just like and change uh, how, how skates and holders are are made, uh, just like the carving ski did in alpine skiing. Uh, now everyone has the 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 carving shaped skis or the the, the clap skate in speed skating, which uh, uh, yeah, just a technology shift that uh, uh, that uh, yeah, it moves the, the the sport forward and and uh, brings technology and and improvement to the sport. So that's our vision. That in a couple of years, everyone will will be using uh, flow motion technology, and then uh, yeah, Marsblade is uh, one of the brands, uh, the the high end brands in in hockey. So that's the the vision. <laughs> Well, there you go. Marsblade leading the flow of change in hockey. So really appreciate pair you joining us, you telling us a bit about your story. If you haven't tried the Marsblade or if you're curious about it, marsblade.com is where you can find it. I'm telling you, you put your foot in that skate, you take a stride, even on the rollers, you will understand immediately what I'm talking about. It is, it makes you think it makes you use your brain. It makes you use your muscles. And if you've been playing a long time, like I have for the first time, it is such a unique and different feeling. I'm really interested to try the on ice product Mark, uh, pair best of luck. Thank you so much for joining us today on the DFO rundown and all the best in the future. Thanks for having me, Frank. There you go. Frank Saravalli and pair Mars. Interesting interview. I really like that. Learned a lot about it. Uh, it's intriguing to see you know, what uh, you, you think about the importance of blades uh, and skates when it comes to hockey and, and w- where that can go and the improvement levels on it. It's fascinating stuff. Coming up uh, next week, and by the way, our pod's going to drop next Thursday as uh, Frank will be back from uh, Italy. We'll give him a, a day to get over uh, some uh, some travel fatigue, and then we'll get to the pod next Thursday. So on behalf of Tyler Remchuk, uh, Frank Cervalli, I'm Jason Greger. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the DFO Rundown. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Greger. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.